This week on the Podland Trailcasters. Test, test, test. There we go. <clears throat> Starting a little high for my voice this morning. Toronto went buyer. The Pearl, the Pearl move makes so much sense for them. They still need a score. That's why like an ant for OG would have made great sense for them. There, there is a reason why these these trades happen. I, I said you were a good liar last time, man. You don't need to keep proving it. You're all good. I'll make you a black one, a white one, a yes, red one. Yes. I'll make I'll make you No listen, I'll make you a PDX carpet one, even though you hate the carpet. But you can just keep your phone cases with you and you can pick your phone case by what uniform the Blazers are wearing at the game oh you're going to. Oh my god, that's I can't remember one off the top of my head at least where uh, second round picks have, have held this much value. 28 of the 30 teams were involved in a deadline trade basically since wow. like, well, since January 28th. So you're saying that when the Suns fall apart this season and uh, and lose as a first seed, then KD will be KD will be an easy pickup. I like it. Fans are gonna overreact, but it, it, like I told you, it's, it's it's playing out exactly how most people predicted it would play out. So why why get frustrated at it doing exactly what you thought? What I really want is I want the seeding to play out just perfectly, so that first first round is like. Phoenix versus Golden State, KD versus his old Warriors, uh, right? That would be sick. And, and, okay. And then second round is Phoenix versus Dallas, Kyrie versus KD. <laughs> oh, oh my God! God. Hook it to my veins. Yes. <laughs> All right, hit and record. Give me a three, two, one. Hello, Rip City. To all of you ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, whether you're in town or out of town or in any corner of these worldwide interwebs, thank you for tuning in here with you from Hood River, the not-so-vanilla Hood River Gorilla. My name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me, as always, to balance this Hawaiian-time Oregonian, the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segues, Mr. Professional Christopher Joseph, the bully Burkhart. What's going on, buddy? Ah, aloha, brother. Aloha, my friend. I am in a surprisingly good mood, I think, compared to a lot of uh, how a lot of Blazer fans are feeling right now. Uh, the, the deadline is over, and that's what I'm excited about. I'm just happy we, we, you know, more or less, we made it through the deadline. Uh, seemed quiet for a minute. In general, my, my phone battery is pretty fresh. It's pretty strong. It's a fairly new phone. I usually charge it, like, every other day or less. This morning at, like, 8 a.m., it was 92%, and just afternoon right now it's at 23 percent. so <laughs> it's been a morning well been a thanks morning for the reminder that was my reminder to plug mine in because mine's been yeah <laughs> I, I got a brand new phone like three weeks ago and i've been oh, I've, nice. I've been praising this bad boy because i'm like oh man it's so nice to have a new phone battery life is amazing then, right right then trade deadline came and it's like oh <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i can't even take a uh, screenshot of this because someone will tell me to plug in your phone bro <laughs> No, I mean, honestly, I've been having low battery more often on my phone because the battery is so fresh. Like, I, same like you said, I got an, uh, an S22 Plus maybe a year or so ago. And, yeah, I can I can let it run. I don't need to worry about when I see it at 66% uh, thing that's going to die soon. Because, I, you know, it's it, it can get down to, like, 22% and still last for hours. It hasn't been an issue. But, yeah, in, in, matter, in a matter of about four hours today, I lost about 70% of that battery because I just couldn't put the phone down. Couldn't turn Discord off. Just had a wild time in Trade Talk. Let's just hit that up real fast, get this out of the way. Listeners, if you haven't yet joined the Discord, and I'm seeing more of you every few minutes this morning, it seems like we're getting a lot of new invites. Welcome, everyone, to the Trollcasters Discord that's new in here. Uh, if this is your first podcast episode, be prepared for, for maybe something a little different. We'll see how it goes. going to kind of just, you know, we're just going to do this live today. Shout out Bill O'Reilly. Hey! But, yeah, uh, come and join the Trollcasters Discord if you haven't already. We have... Our podcasts, a handful of other podcasts, content creators of all variety, game access with the Third Bench Ticket Group, swag exchanges, and let's focus on that for a minute because Chris, you've brought out these beautiful Trailcasters mugs that we've already sold some of. We've got our Trailcasters shirts and more designs coming every day as you just you know can't seem to put that creative side of you down. And now you're telling me you got phone cases too, and we're gonna coordinate the phone cases with the outfit. I, I, you, you've brought it up. You've tempted me. You've teased me with that. I can't not want it now. That sounds fantastic. 
But listeners, if you would like any of that merch or any other stuff that Chris is going to create for us here, you got to join the Discord. Link is in the episode description. Like I said, we've got lots of other things going on there, but that is the key place to come and get the merch. It is going to be made to order. So let us know what you want and 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 Chris will get on it. We'll put Chris to work. Sure. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, we've got a lot of trade deadline stuff to talk about because it all happened in the last couple hours uh, after it seemed so quiet for a while. First things first, though, Chris, let's get through our internationally renowned, unanimously acclaimed, world-famous love hugs and hate mail. Where is your love going this week, Mr. Burkhardt? Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make it easy for you, okay? I'm giving <laughs> I'm giving my love to the NBA trade deadline. I am giving a big old fat <laughs> hug to the NBA trade deadline, and I'm sending my hate also to the <laughs> NBA trade deadline. I, I, I love it and I hate it all at once. The week leading up to it is is one of the most uh, fun weeks of the year, but it's also one of the most frustrating weeks of the year. Yep. As I've said to you, I said this to Chad on on the fifth quarter in game. The the, the ESPN trade machine is the worst invention known to man <laughs> because everybody thinks that they're a GM and some of the trade ideas are just asinine, um, and it just blows my mind. Like, oh, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure like Keon and Greg Brown's like there's a lot of upside there. Like that would probably <laughs> land OG on Anobi. I don't know if it works like financially, but like I'm pretty sure Toronto <laughs> wants that. It's like the last two minute report with the refs, where I think the, <laughs> the idea is that it's supposed to be informing and educating fans a little bit, but it's incomplete. It doesn't help to actually inform or educate fans on how to do it properly. The same as the last two minute report doesn't make you feel better about the mistakes that the refs make. It's just it's it's a weird tool. It's it's like many things we've said about the NBA and the changes they're making, it just seems like you're, they're going one bit at a time instead of actually just making a big jump. Well, it's also interesting to the amount of people who don't understand how, how trades work. Right. They, they play too much 2K or they understand that a guy who was signed in the offseason can't be traded for X amount of time. But like uh, there was the reports, you know, that, that the Lakers were in uh, on Jared Vanderbilt. That ended up going down. But then people started tweeting, like, oh, I guess Portland's out on Vanderbilt. No, they're not. Because you can be traded <laughs> again before be the deadline's done. Yeah, you can be traded again. You just can't be aggregated. So Jared Vanderbilt, who was making four million dollars, right? If he's traded to the Lakers, he can't be moved with him and Patrick Beverly together to match Josh Hart's contract or what have you, right? Because right, that's right. aggregating his deal to match. He could be traded for uh, Justice Winslow one to one. Or Portland could send two guys out that match his contract and get him back. He just can't be added to a deal to make contract money work uh, with another player. He has to be shipped out solo. But he could have been traded again. You saw it go down with uh, uh, Milwaukee, right? So Phoenix, they send him to Brooklyn as part of their mega deal. And less than 12 hours later, he gets shipped out again to Milwaukee. Because, again, he wasn't part of an aggregated, but you right, can trade right. a guy who was just traded. So again, when you talk about informing people and what happens at the deadline, that's where it really starts to get me. I'm not going to claim to be an expert. I, I look at the CBA as much as I can to try to understand it and then just get lost in the terms because it is, it's a hefty read. Well, yeah, I'm just saying that it, like the last two minute report, the trade machine gives fans some insight to how the trades are supposed to work. Like, you know, it, like it makes you line up the money somewhat, right? It tells you underneath if this trade works on that thing, but then it doesn't tell you anything about what the other team's intentions are, where, what direction they're taking their roster, whether they'd want a Josh Hart versus an Anthony Simon. Wouldn't that be Spire. great if they had some inside information like Woj, Woj put his algorithm in there. So like you tried to trade uh, Josh Hart to uh, San Antonio yeah, or something yeah. in the trade deadline. And the trade deadline goes, uh, this trade was declined because San Antonio is in a rebuild and doesn't need Josh <laughs> doesn't Hart make sense. on their yeah. rock. Like, like, <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be great. In the same way, if the last two-minute report came out and there was actually anything that it did to change outcomes or change the expectations of the refs. But it doesn't. And that's a whole other topic. We are not here for the officiating discussions that we often get into. We're going to stick to the deadline. Before we get... often get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. I'll, I'll accept that. I'll own that. Before we get to the deadline talks, though, there's a lot that happened in the last couple of hours. But first... You breeze through your love hugs and hate mail. I've got some, just to keep it fresh, just to mix things up a little bit, I've got some that are not trade deadline related. My love, Chris, this week is actually not from the deadline at all, but it's about uh, one of the Blazers games that I attended in this last week. 
The Regurgicam is back, my brother. The Regurgicam is my absolute favorite Jumbotron event that the Blazers have done. They have skipped it for many years recently. I don't know if it's because fans maybe got offended seeing their own food come back up on the screen, but I love it, man. I love just how people, you, you gotta be a little more chill. You gotta be able to laugh at yourself a little bit when you see yourself reverse eat a hot dog or slice a pizza or something like that on, on camera in front of the whole arena and everyone's laughing. I love it. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to see it back. We saw it one game the other night. I hope they bring it back more. That's my love. My hugs this week. I, I wrote this down before all the action today at the deadline. There are probably some other teams that other teams fan bases that are going to need some hugs after the way everything went down. But my main hugs this week, as far as the deadline goes, are going towards Mavs fans because Kyrie Irving is now in Dallas. And I know some people are saying, oh, it'll work great between him and Luca and it'll, it'll set them up for a run. I don't care. Kyrie Irving is the biggest destroyer of rosters and teams hopes uh, for deep runs in the past. I, I'm not saying it's going to happen every time, but he didn't help Cleveland. He didn't help Boston. He didn't help Brooklyn. He wanted to go to LA. LA even arguably had a better package for him to give to Brooklyn. And it sounds like Joe Sy just kind of said, F the Lakers. So <laughs> my hugs are going to the Mavs fans because you may not realize it. They, uh, yeah, Kyrie is talented, but he is the destroyer of teams and, uh, and hopes. So I... I wouldn't want to be a Mavs fan right now. That's all I'm going to say. Finally, my hate mail is going to the NBA All-Star Weekend because Shaden Sharp was going to be part of the dunk contest. Then they announced he would not be part of the Rising Stars game. This is odd to me. Like, if he's already there for the dunk contest and he's a rookie that's been playing well, why would you not put him in the Rising Stars game? He has an athletic game that would be fun for fans to watch. Instead, they throw seven, yes, seven G-leaguers into the rising stars. And I just, I'm not, I don't understand. I'm not sure why this happened. Maybe, maybe we blame Chauncey for his use of Shaden Sharp and how he hasn't really given him a lot of run. Um, maybe it's the NBA kind of giving Portland the small market treatment. I, I, I can't imagine the NBA is saying, Oh, we should be highlighting these G league guys over a rookie who's actually getting minutes in the league. And then finally, after, after that, he announced that he's not going to do the dunk contest either. He said that he wants to focus on the second half of his season, which is a fine, politically correct answer for him to put out there. It's hard to believe that's all there is to it. It's hard to believe that he didn't want to go throw down. He probably could have been odds on favor to win the dunk contest. So it's odd overall, It and it, it detracts a lot from my desire to watch the All-Star Game uh, and the All-Star Weekend events in general. There's zero incentive for him to go do the dunk contest. Uh, it's... It, it... Uh, it makes sense if your Dame or CJ was uh, a good example, right? Not an all-star, but goes and does the three-point competition uh, because, A, the, all you got to do is go. It's, you're just practicing your regular shot. Uh, but CJ McCollum has so many endorsement deals and things that he can do at All-Star Weekend that make it worth him going down there when he's not playing. Uh, for Shaden Sharp, if you're going just to do the dunk contest, you're not in the Rising Star Challenge. There's nothing else you're going to be doing there. Uh, the 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 break is more beneficial. Think about it this way: there was the trade for Josh Hart out of town. There was the trade for GP two out of town, who started in Josh Hart's place. Uh, the the word on the street that that we've been hearing is that. Um, why everyone says Nasir, the Blazers have been kind of clearing that spot for, for Shaden Sharp to get the starting small forward role the rest of the year. Uh, and if that is to be believed, and that is what his agent was told, that's part of the reason he stepped out of All-Star Game festivities was yeah. to focus on his new potential role with the team because he is going to be going, uh, again, if this is true, he's going to be going from his you know, 17, 18 minutes a night. He's averaging what, just under 20. Uh, to probably 25 plus playing mm. a little more small forward compared to guard um, playing with it, playing with the the guys in that lineup. So I, I think there was him really like when he said, oh, he pulled out to focus on the second half of the season. I think that was true because I think his role is going to dramatically change uh, in the second half of the season. So I, I think that one is there again. I just don't think it benefits him uh, that much uh, to go down there if he's not going to have the, the full weekend and maybe this whole like he should have been in the rising star challenge uh is a little uh rose-colored glasses uh just because i mean outside of portland i don't know if he's pushing the needle but then again every single time the dude dunks it goes viral and people know who his name is so it would make sense for the nba to absolutely put him in there just for the entertainment factor saying, yeah. uh alone so uh in general though keith no i think there are some bigger picture things uh, here at play for Shaden that are good that again like uh, a lot of those other guys 
have their role defined. He hasn't really had a defined role all year, right? And that mm. role is definitely going to change. Uh, losing again, you lost Josh Hart, and then you lost the guy that you were going to start over him. Everyone has argued that it could be Nasir, but it's obvious Nasir is in Chauncey's doghouse a little mm, bit. Yeah, so right. I think this one's. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, second half for sure. All right, so let's let's go around the league first before we get into exactly what the Blazers have and have not done. Uh, like I mentioned in the love hugs and hate mail, there, Kyrie Irving to Dallas Mavericks kicked off the 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 action. You know, after everything had been kind of quiet for the last week or so leading up to the deadline, Irving to the Mavs kicked off, and then Kevin Durant to Phoenix cracked it wide open for the rest of the league. It seems like he was kind of maybe that real catalyst to get things going. As far as the non-Blazers moves around the league, this is in no way a complete list, but I mean, we had Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson to Brooklyn. Jay Crowder as well at first, like you mentioned, but then he ended up in Milwaukee. Mo Bamba to LA, Pat Bev to Orlando, Sadiq Bey to Atlanta, uh, Wiseman to Detroit, John Wall back to Houston and Eric Gordon back to the Clippers where he started. Luke Kennard to Memphis, Thomas Bryant to Denver, Jakob Pertle to Toronto, Mason Plumlee to the Clippers. Lots of second round picks getting moved. I'm not sure if there's added value on these picks because of just the deep draft expectations or if it's just what was available and most teams are holding on to their first round picks because of the draft expectations. Any insight for you on that? Like, what are what are your thoughts? Like, are, are we thinking that these uh, second rounders are, are going to be worth more than usual? Is is there any sort of hope, I guess? Well, it is, it, is, it is a weird year, right? When, mm. when all of a sudden you're getting uh, five second round picks uh, are getting trades done. Here's the deal with the second rounders. I, I, I don't know if there's necessarily going to be talent uh, attached to them. I know this is a deep draft, but um, if you are a Portland, say you are a Portland and you make the playoffs and that pick that you do have now conveys to Chicago, it's enticing, right? If you want to get back into that first round, granted they did get one in one of their trades, but if you want to get into the first round, you could dangle, say that there's a guy that you really like and he's there at, at pick 24. Well, I can give you five second round picks to the team that has that pick but doesn't really want to use it or something like that. So I definitely see some assets uh, available there. And then obviously there, the trading has proved incredibly uh, lucrative if you have a ton of second round picks to throw out there so no it's a it's asset uh, aggregation yeah uh, in the fullest but i'll tell you this much for a trade deadline i don't i i can't remember one off the top of my head at least where uh second round picks have, have held this much value uh, as i saw someone tweet i when did five second round picks become the going rate for a rotational player so <laughs> uh it's it's interesting for sure yeah it's it's odd i i'm we'll have to wait till summer to really see how that all plays out but a lot of second-round picks got moved, almost as many as the number of players, which, again, shocking number, in, in my opinion. Am I wrong about that? Was this more players than you expected to get moved, especially after the kind of the quiet week or so we've had? Like, things always happen last minute. That's just how the deadline works. But I just feel like a lot of rosters got shaken up with this. Uh, Yeah, a lot of rosters got shaken up. I mean, last year's deadline, too, saw a lot of people move. I think there was, like, 54 players in total who were traded uh, at last year's deadline. I did see... Um, a tweet earlier that uh, 28 of the 30 teams were involved in a deadline trade basically since wow. their, well since January 28th uh, until now Chicago sure, and sure. Cleveland the only two teams uh, that didn't pull off a massive uh, trade deadline esque deal and granted Cleveland pulled up uh, all their trades in the offseason going and getting D Mitch, mm. right? So, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, I, I think it's fun. I, I love it. I wish, I wish the NFL were like this. I wish Major League Baseball were like this. It's absolutely incredible to watch what these teams will do to, to get themselves ahead. And as we continue to dive in here, Keith, it's, it's the, 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 I think the hardest pill to swallow if you're a Blazer fan is you want your team to do something right? Right, right and they made small moves here uh that do make sense within the vacuum which you and i will dive into uh but when you look at the rest of the e uh, west that you're competing with and when you're right there in the standings with dallas and the lakers and, mm. and all that and you're like oh that team got better oh that team got better oh that team got better uh, portland <laughs> objectively got worse yeah. so yeah it, that's that's a tough one 
it's possible that Portland really focused on that uh, asset acquisition, like you're saying, while everyone else is kind of... I think of, so. You know, like, we talked uh, uh, on part one of the episode last week, of part one of two, first time we've done the two-parter, and honestly, I kind of enjoyed how that broke down. But we talked on part one, you and I, about defining buyers versus sellers versus opportunists. And we said from the beginning that Blazers were going to be more of that opportunist kind of role. Uh, and it looks like maybe the advantage of being an opportunist is that we saw everyone else go buyer and said, hey, we're not going to try and keep up with that. We're just going to kind of be patient and run our own race uh, maybe this summer. Maybe this does set us up for having more assets this summer. It, it, it's, it's hard to put a final line on that. Um, the other thing we talked about, though, Chris, was the parity. Again, the expectation was almost that the parity in the West, just how it wasn't top to bottom, but how thick that middle of the West was, would lead to a quieter deadline. And, you know, if, if that's not what ended up happening, is it maybe that everyone else blinked? Everyone else blinked before Blazers. Everyone kind of said, oh, God, we're panicking and got to pick up a piece. Because as much as you're saying everyone around us seemed to have gotten better, there's, they're not all going to make the playoffs. There's going to be some of these teams that spent their assets to get better and are going to fall short of their expectations and their hopes. And then, like you said with Cleveland, going all in for Donovan Mitchell last summer and having nothing to do now with the deadline. Maybe this just means that there will be less teams in the summer to compete with us when we have this load of second rounders to, to throw around. Well, uh, uh, not only not only that, Keith, this is this is where things get interesting. So uh, as we've already talked about, because of the, uh, the pick with Chicago being locked up, Portland has no picks that they can they can trade, right? They, they are in trouble in that aspect. And that could have been the hangup in a lot of these deals. So I, I'm yeah. not mad at Joe Cronin because oh, deals didn't go down the way you right. expected. But again, with those, with those picks locked up, there's not much you can do because you can only trade picks seven years out. So that's from now until 2029. And because of the restrictions on that pick, even though that pick is only protected through 2028, because of the Stepien rule, they can't even trade the 2029 pick either. So they have no first round picks they can trade. Okay, so now you're going to you're you're you're, you're playing poker, but you you can't even afford the minimum bets right now. You're just you're 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 limping in blind and hoping you win something, right? Well, we now, just don't have the big annie in a first runner, but we got no, a whole lot of small annies in the. In but the again, the Stepien rule yeah. only applies to future first round first, picks. Totally. So on draft night, should the Blazers miss the playoffs and now they get they they retain their pick? right you can trade your picks on draft night because it's no longer a future pick it's that pick it's that year you're right there in the moment so you could enter draft night still possibly looking to move yusuf nurkic right or any other pieces maybe an ant for something bigger but now you have your 2023 pick and the 2023 pick that you got from the knicks should the knicks make the make the uh the playoffs because it's lightly it's protected right you could potentially go into draft night with two first round picks to trade out of nowhere. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So again, there's, 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 there's your assets right there. You and I talked about the viability of getting the Chicago to take off the protections, which could work. But again, if Portland makes the playoffs, which is going to be tough, right? For them in this current West. But if they make the playoffs key, then again, that pick goes to Chicago. And now you enter the off season. You don't even have to wait to draft night. You enter the off season with a full seven years worth of picks to trade, at which point the most you could trade would be what four, uh, because you can only trade every other year. You could do similar to what, what Phoenix just did, right? Trade a 23, a 25, a 27 and a 29, right? So there's, there's doors that could open up for Portland to make giant swings this off season. The hard part is just like last year with the Pelicans pick, right? You're like, uh, things have to happen just right, right, right. <laughs> before the door to, to swing open the way you want but it's not the end of the world by any means you and i talked about this not even on the pod just with each other as you and i spitball all week long and i had been telling you all week not in a recorded forum that i expected the deadline to be fairly quiet for the blazers on a big trade front right yeah we've been saying this yeah you, you've been saying it. i've been listening and i haven't disagreed with you on it they, it does seem like uh, you mentioned um, you mentioned the moves last year as far as uh, everything at the deadline moving CG around and then things not quite falling up into place for us over the summer. Maybe if nothing else, that gives us insight to Joe Cronin's style and Mike Schmidt's style, who's you know the the draft and scouting expert here. Maybe what they are doing is kind of going for these multi-piece, essentially parlay type uh, uh, draft moves or trade moves, and 
maybe they have better hope. Again, after seeing everyone being buyers here at the deadline, maybe they have more hope that in the summer it'll just be more of a, a clear path for us to do what we want. As far, as far as doing what we want, moves that we didn't see happen, OG Ananobi, still a Raptor. John Collins, still a Hawk. Uh, there are going to be other pieces, obviously, in the summer that'll be more available once we've seen some of these teams going for their runs and not making it. I'm sure there'll be more teams resetting. Let's talk about the Blazers specifics, though. Listeners, we are in the thick of the NBA season, and there are so many variables right now. Can Dame stay healthy enough to lead the team, or are we going to have to rely more on Jeremy? Will the Blazers make a move before the deadline, or are we going to wait for the offseason? Can we make the playoffs straight up, or are we going to get stuck in the play-in tournament in the middle of this stacked Western Conference? One thing's for sure, I know when I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's not even the only promotion they have with DraftKings, but let me say this again so you're totally clear. Download the app now. Sign up with code TBPN for the Basketball Podcast Network. Place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do win. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. At first, it seemed like all we were going to lose was Josh Hart and bringing back in Cam Reddish. And then we heard about Matisse Thibel as well, as well as the uh, one first round pick protected, I think is what it was, or four second round picks if it didn't convey. Seemed like it was done. And then at the last minute, right before the deadline, we hear... GP2 going back to the Warriors for Kevin Knox and five second round picks. Like we're talking uh, about all the second round picks that got moved. What does our rotation look like then? How, how, with, with Cam Reddish, Thibel, and, and Kevin Knox coming in here, what does our rotation look like for the rest of the year? Obviously not as competitive as it was, but who are you putting into the starting lineup at the three in the, at this point? Do you think this goes to Shaden like you Shaden said? Sharp. Shaden Sharp. Shaden right. Sharp. So, so it's clearing away for Shaden. And again, maybe, maybe connecting that back to why he dropped out of the All-Star weekend. As far as Cronin and, and Schmidt's plan and talking about kind of the asset acquisition and the rest, do you think this changes any expectations on one of the big assets that we still have, Jeremy Grant? We've talked before about him having the uh, availability to sign an extension now, which he has not done. The idea has been that he would sign this summer for more money in the fifth year that the Blazers can offer him. Does this change anything? The, the, the fact that we are kind of not quite blowing up the roster, but going the wrong direction, not being buyers, not making a big run. Do you think this changes any uh, likelihood that Grant stays a Blazer next fall? Nope. Good. Nope, because I don't think, and this is the thing, Keith, like I think that, I think that this idea that they're going the wrong direction is only because of the other big deals that were made at the deadline and unrealistic, undue expectations upon these Blazers to make moves at the deadline with assets that they just didn't have. The offseason has always been the key for them. Go like the, the, Not just the offseason in general, I just mean this upcoming offseason has been the key for them. If you listen to Coruscant Monday when I had Sean Eichen on, he said as much. Shout if you've out. listened to Rip City Radio with Chris Haynes, when he comes on, he has said uh, as much. The offseason has always been key. So they still get to attack the offseason with ferocity. Now, they are going to have the money to pay Jeremy Grant, they have his full bird rights, right? So they can go do whatever they need to do. All signs point to him just looking for the fifth year, not a max offer because he's just not a max player, but he's going to get that fifth year. And then I think something that is important in these deals, being Reddish, uh, Thibel, and Knox, is for a team like Portland, who has limited assets in general and then limited finances, right? That's key. They don't have that. That's part of the reason they had to trade Josh Hart, right? Right, right. Because they didn't have the finances to keep Jeremy Grant and Josh Hart. Well, Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel are restricted free agents. So now you don't have to worry because team X can offer them Y and you can say, fine, I'm matching Y. I can go over to keep my restricted free agent boom good we have to go. more control than we had with heart yeah kevin knox is filthy filthy cheap like he, <laughs> he is he is uh it, it coming in at three million dollars a year and if they really want to he has a club option for next year so portland can pick up that option and just get another player on the roster that's cheap and that doesn't mean that they don't turn around and 
come next deadline or when it's available, flip Reddish or flip Thibault again. But now they have the ability to retain these assets when they couldn't have done so before, right? They would have just been hitting to get a guy to fill out that roster spot. It would have been vet mins all day long after they give Jeremy Grant his money, use their exceptions, whatever the hell is that they actually have. But this allows them to retain some of these assets that they can later trade uh, if they need to. And Kevin Knox, I think, is the ship has sailed on that guy. I, he had very high expectations coming out. He's, he's a mediocre NBA level basketball player right now. Thibel is, uh, not a great offensive player defensively. I think he's going to do a lot of things that Portland does need. So I think there's some viability there. I think the wild card in all this myself is cam reddish. I'm not taking it right now and saying, Hey, Portland absolutely won this deal, but he's a, he's, playing limited he's averaging eight minutes or uh, eight points uh per game not shooting the ball as well as expected but again expectations for this guy coming out he he was a good basketball player and if portland can untap that they got to steal if they can't untap it whoop-de-doo like again yeah, it's not costly restricted free agent they can go back resign on the cheap whatever they need because it's not like he's going to go out and hit hit uh, the open market and this guy who has underperformed is going to go get you 15 mil right like no he's going to be a, a very affordable player to continue and the big thing is he's what six foot eight so put him on the court you're not <laughs> giving up size anymore uh the thibel one though i think the one like he i think he's going to get some some pretty quick rotation minutes for him just because he's good defensively and they lost a ton of defense in losing uh, gp2 and yeah. josh hart so he's going to yeah. have to fill that void and then cam reddish is going to find a find some rotation minutes i i think uh in the long run as well they want to see what they have there uh Knox, yeah, he's he's him and Keon Johnson are going to become friends because they're going to spend 48 minutes a night sitting at the end of the bench talking to each other. <laughs> All right, let's just talk real quick on on kind of the grade for the trades and the direction of the team, even if it's kind of unclear still what the direction is. We have a listener. We have some listener questions here from our former co-host, Brandon Goldner. Shout out to him. Hey! Why does Joe Cronin hate the Blazers? At the same time, let me throw in from our guy, Al-Kabi. Hey! Why is Joe the GOAT? So as you can see, we've uh, <laughs> got some divided fans. But again, Chris, so how if you had to put just a letter grade on it, even not really being clear on, on what their next steps are, because we're talking about these guys making layered moves and moves that you know are, are not really going to come to fruition at least till the summer. Yeah. How are you feeling? Uh, it's, a, it's a C plus. It, it, it's a passing grade. Um, that's for sure. They did not fail at this deadline like everybody thinks. I think I think it's under. Uh, underrated uh, the fact that while these might not have been home run splashes, I think getting a guy, as we just said, getting a guy with a club option and two guys who are restricted free agents helps you out immensely. Having more control uh, over your assets. In the, in the off season. Like, yes, exactly. You have more control over your assets because here's the deal. Like if Josh Hart were a restricted free agent, they weren't going to trade him because they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had to worry. Like you said, control over your asset. Oh, team X offers in 15 mil under normal circumstances. We don't have that 15 mil, but we're allowed to have that money to match our restricted free agents. Right. And and this is why you feel good about Grant. This is why you feel that we're not, uh, this does not change any concern about him going over because we have control uh, over his contract. Yeah, it doesn't concern me at all with Jeremy Grant. Yeah, I think he is a blazer uh, for the long term. They're going to continue to to build around he and and Dame. Um, And again, like I, I would be more concerned with Jeremy Grant if the Blazers had assets and the trade deadline was where they were expected to make their big swing but they never were key. It was never going to be the big swings. Yeah. Fans started to expect that. And when it didn't happen, they're frustrated. It's the, the life of a fan. I yeah, feel for it's... you guys, because I, <laughs> I want to see, I want to see my favorite team make big splashes too. It just makes you feel good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hope, um, But again, deadline has never been the focus for this team. Right. It has always been the off season. So again, that's Jeremy Grant proven to him that you got faith in him getting those other guys locked up because they're not going to command a bunch of money. So you're probably going to match those deals just to continue to have bodies on the roster. Right. And, and then go from there because you still, you're going to potentially have picks. You're going to have other people to trade and you're going to have other teams. Like there's been a lot of feeling that the off season, there's going to be a lot more players available. Right. Um, because here's the deal just because OG 
and and John didn't get traded right now doesn't mean they're they're not being traded in the offseason. Exactly. Just means those those two teams were fishing, uh, you know, putting feelers out and just weren't getting enough back that they wanted. But that can change in the offseason when not just the Blazers but more teams potentially have more assets to move things around. So no, I do not think the Blazers are done. They're not dead in the water. They haven't flipped the switch and we're gonna blow it up. Like if 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 the offseason comes and goes. Put put the receipt on me, okay? Okay, lock this in. Because I'm not backtracking. I'm not. It's not as if I said they're going to make big moves, and now they didn't. I'm not. I'm trying no, no, to backtrack we, to defend Joe Cronin. You guys yeah, all know. Yeah. Again, but put the receipt on it. If the off season comes and goes, and a big trade doesn't happen for the Blazers, or they don't make a splash, and they enter the start of the season with everybody and whoever they end up drafting. You have not used those assets properly. Then I worry. That is fair. Yeah, I I'm, I agree with you on that. And the one thing I might push back on from what you just said here is, as far as the offseason, there will be more teams that have assets available uh, for us to maybe pick up. I'm not sure if... I, I feel like a lot of these picks, a lot of the moves we saw with all the picks getting moved around and all the players getting moved, I don't think... I think maybe part of the plan here for Cronin and Schmitz is that there won't be as many people in the way other people trying to move for og or john collins maybe able to kind of use our assets efficiently just because there won't be other people kind of raising the price there won't be as much of a bidding war does that make sense and you, can you see that or is that am i totally off base on that well it's going to be interesting because uh teams that were gonna that were competing with you at this deadline made some moves that are going to hamper them from being right. off-season players right exactly, like phoenix yeah. is not going to be a major off-season player they're going to be a big off-season player for those fringe guys those rotation guys but they're right. locked they, they know what they're doing depth. right yeah right uh same with same with teams like dallas the lakers i think as well they like what they got in d'angelo russell so any of those other teams that are around you and a little bit of that we're just a piece or two away uh, those are the teams you're going to be competing with. But again, if everything falls right for the Blazers, which I know I'm going to get crucified just for saying that, <laughs> because that's the one thing Blazer fan hates to say. It's always about if everything falls right, but that's pretty much every team. Just it's sometimes hopium, it falls like right for them. It's, it's, yeah. it's what fans live on. Is that hopium. Hope for, like, that's, a, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a good way of putting it. But no, I think some of the teams that took big swings kind of rocked themselves uh, out of that, right? And you got teams like the Timberwolves. They're trying to sell themselves that, oh, Mike Conley is a better pairing next to Rudy Gobert, which is just asinine to me because that's that that's <laughs> that's the argument you're getting right, from them. Right, right, and, right. And people who, oh, this trade makes sense because Conley is better next to Rudy Gobert. Did you have, you've had Carl Anthony Towns forever. What, why the hell are you worrying about building around Rudy Gobert? This is, what are yeah, we doing here? This is what like, I was like, thinking like, earlier. Like, 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 <laughs> it's been crazy seeing the number of moves that happened, but this is what I was thinking earlier too. I feel like a lot of teams have maybe set themselves up to fall uh, on their face a little bit just because they're it's it's a very crowded highway right now where everyone's trying to aim for the same exit. And I, I yeah. feel like he's maybe just been a little smarter hanging back and hopefully building up for, for that clear path uh, in a move this summer. Yeah, I think it's easy to pick on them in the in the in the nutshell, right? But yeah, I do exactly. think I do think the holdback for the offseason was always the plan unless a really, really good plan came knocking at their door, right? A really good deal. Yeah. Um the offseason's gonna be key. And then again, the interesting part here is like I said, if they make the playoffs, then that opens up a ton of windows. And if you look at the standings right now, as they are, Keith, Blazers tenth, they're a game out of ninth, a game and a half out of being the seventh seed. And that's uh, really interesting because you look at the teams around them, like uh, Minnesota is a game and a half ahead of them. I don't think they necessarily got better. I don't think they got worse. They're just Minnesota. Just They're different. a very yeah. beatable team. A team Portland can still outpace. Uh, the Warriors are right there above them. I, I think they that was a pretty good move by them to go get Sadiq Bay, But without Steph Curry... They're gonna they're gonna take some L's as you saw yeah. last night Great against the Blazers, night. right? So the Blazers can do that. The team directly below the Blazers is the Utah Jazz. They're currently tied in the standings, but the Jazz are full sale right now. They are yeah. full sale, uh, and, and Danny Ainge proved uh, as much. Uh, then you got the Thunder. The only team below Portland right now that you have to fear jumping Portland is the Los Angeles Lakers. They're a game and a half behind Portland. They did. They'd had a great deadline, honestly. Mm. They got out of the guy with his first name, Russ. They got into <laughs> the guy with his last name, Russ, who's a much better shooter, fits what they need. They got Mo, Bomb yeah, Mo Bamba for some depth. Uh, so that team could put it together and pass you. But the writing, though, is that the Blazers are still going to make the play. -in. 
right? They're still going to make the play-in. And the teams that they could potentially play in the play-in, they could beat all of them right now on any given night. So the idea that Portland limps in and gets into the first round of the playoffs is not out of the question. Not out of mm. the question at all. So seven plays 10, eight plays nine. The lower seed has to win two games, right? Right, yep. Okay, so as it sits right now, it's Portland versus the Pelicans. You don't know what Pelicans team you're getting in the playoffs. You don't know if that team's going to be fully healthy. And I got to win two games against a team that's right next to me in the standings. Especially when we have a healthy Dame. Even if the even if Portland has the worst roster top to bottom, I'm walking into any casino in Vegas and I'm putting my money on Damian Lillard to yes, have sir. two super say on games and lead his team <laughs> to the first round, of, yes. first round of the playoffs. And, and then say say the first round jockeys around a little bit, like say Portland moves up to ninth, right? So if they moved up to ninth right now, because say the I mean the Warriors are probably going to lose some without Steph. They're just not as good without Steph. That's just a fact. Just like the Blazers aren't as good without Dame. He's your best player, right? Right. right. So say you say you jump the Warriors. So now you're looking at eight nine being a play in matchup against the Timberwolves. Yeah, I, it, I, I with Dame, the Blazers with can Dame? the Blazers can win that. Yeah, so okay, again, the, okay. the the idea that they win a play in the play in series and make the first round of the playoffs is not awful. And Blazer fans are going to get mad because Blazer fans are going to say, oh, oh, so, oh, so what? So you win the play in to go to the first round and get swept by the Nuggets or swept by the Suns, who are going to be really good if once KD's healthy. Mm. Yeah, that's what you do, because that is best case scenario, because you made the playoffs, you get swept. So guess what? Pick goes to the Chicago. Yep, and exactly. You just opened up the floodgates. Game for everything this summer. on. OK, so game there we go. On. See, OK, I like that. And again, even beyond that, I, as uh, we're talking about Cronin and Schmitz's plan here as far as having to really thread the needle, and if that's threading the needle, that doesn't sound that unlikely. We also have said all season, Chris, that to go from the historic tanking that we did last year in the latter half of the season to making the playoffs this year is a good jump. You sh we should Fans should never have been expecting us to go from that tanking to top of the West, even though the thickness of the West and how close we were out of being a top four seed for a minute looked like it could be a possibility. This... This was always the thing that we should have been hoping for. And here thank it really benefited. I, 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 thank really benefit you us for here. even saying that because, again, receipt. Go back yes. to what you and I said at the beginning of this We've season. We've been saying this and the whole I, time. I said that given the way last season went down, if Portland this year gets to the first round of the playoffs and gets swept, that is still an objectively successful season for Portland. Yes, sir. You went from tanking and being one of the worst teams in the league to getting right back into the playoffs. That is a success. And I get that the trade deadline hurts to a point, but you are still on pace to achieve what would be considered a successful season for your Portland Trailblazers. It, it, it's like we said about the Hopium from fans. The problem with Hopium and, and, the, and the way that fans tend to view the game and the season and these decisions and the paths the team and the GM have to go down is that hopium tends to make you look only one step ahead. And it does seem, hopefully, my, my, my optimistic theory here is that Joe Cronin, Mike Schmitz, and the team leading the Blazers right now are not looking one step ahead. They're looking several steps down the line. Like we said, that would be threading the needle, getting into the playoffs, even if that means getting eliminated in the first round. It means opening up the picks, opening up the assets, floodgate. This is not as bad as it could be. But let me ask you uh, one final aspect of this. And this is kind of coming, this isn't a direct question from uh, our guy, BMAC, but he, uh, as soon as the deadline hit and everyone started freaking out, BMAC was very quick to come out with his tank gifts and the rest in the Trade Talk channel. Let's just throw his perspective in here. And again, shout out to BMAC as well as Dimad and Julio, who joined us last week and all the trade fiends that, all the, all the trade fiending that we talked about. Does this set up the Blazers to tank again for half of a season like we saw last year? No, I don't think so. I think tanking right now not as beneficial as making that first round. It's a it's a tough sell. It's a tough sell to me, Keith. Convincing Dame to tank right two yeah. years in a row uh, is a really hard sell. Again, just a quick look at the standings is all you have to do. The Blazers are a game and a half out 
from being the seventh seed in the in the in the uh, in the West. I don't think now with the way teams have restructured, like the Clippers just got. I thought they got a really good fit in Eric Gordon. He's been needed to be shipped from from Houston <laughs> for a very long time. Um, the Suns, who are fifth, got better. Mavericks, who are fourth, got better. Kings. Uh, didn't do much, but the Kings have been playing well all year. And then you have the Grizzlies and Nuggets. So I don't really see the top six changing. So there's no, I don't know. I don't see Portland getting the guaranteed right. playoff berth. See them. I see them as a play in again. The Blazers are just a game and a half out of seventh place, which would be perfect. Seventh or eighth is perfect, right? Cause then you go into the play and only needing to win one. And I will really put my money on Damian Lillard all damn day long to win one of to two win games. one game. Totally. All freaking day long, right? Because how, how many of those in those playoff matchups, like he's going to be the best player on the floor for the most part, right? Curry's going to be out. Curry's out. Yeah, he's probably the best player on the floor. You give him against the Timberwolves. He's without he's a doubt the best, the best player, player on the floor. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's yeah, not a bad position. You give him the Pelicans. Yeah. The only, yeah, you have the Lakers. Like I said, the Lakers are going to climb up. And then, yeah, it's LeBron and AD over Dame. But mm-hmm. still, I still would pick Dame to win one game against the Lakers. If, That's also oh, assuming back against the wall. Yeah. But again, the point is, Keith, so they're only a, a game out of being in seventh, which is perfect position, right? Win a game, get to the first round, free up all your picks. As where they are currently 13 games ahead of the Spurs, 14 games ahead of the Rockets, which puts them 14 and a half games ahead of the Pistons, 13 and a half games <laughs> ahead of the Hornets, uh, right. six <laughs> games ahead of the Magic. So if they tank from right now with all those other teams tanking, it's basically it's basically kind of like last year, right, where they ended up with the seventh pick. Like right now, they would be the odds-on favorite to land the sixth pick. <laughs> Does that that's mean not what we can... want to do again. We don't want to try and no, tank yeah. and barely, like barely even get down there. There's too many people you below don't, us, too far You don't us. want to tank as Thank the Blazers. You. For the Spurs, the Rockets, the, the Pistons, um, the magic who are already bad and you knew t- there was going to be a rough year for them right if you tank and don't get Wembenyama, it's fine like you, you had the top pick last year ben is going to be an absolute star right if you're the magic like he's great uh the, the, the you've loaded up on some assets you got potential to move around and build what you're trying to do the blazers if you go out full tank and then you go get the fifth pick again you like- <laughs> didn't get Wembenyama. And all your picks are still locked up through 2029. That's disaster. That's horrible news. That's not disaster. That is a disaster, Keith. Yes. Thank you for the clarification on that. So again, just to really sum this up, Mac Deuce and all you tank commanders out there, it doesn't make sense. And then to uh, to Al Kabi and all of you hopeful fans that are soaking up all the hopium with me, it's okay to make the first round of the playoffs and lose out. We've said this, like you point out, Chris. We've been consistent on that through this whole whole season on this podcast. I, I really don't want to have to go back and find the receipts, but if I have to go back into our preseason pods and find the exact quotes we're talking about, a first-round exit would be a good mark for this team to reach. I'll do it. Bottom line, though, the trade deadline has come and gone. The Blazers, while we didn't make any big moves, we never should have expected to make the big swings now. We were, we were setting ourselves up to make big swings in the summer, and it sounds like we, it sounds like we will have the assets to make big swings in the summer as well as not have as much competition for it. No more trade talk until the summer. Now we get to go back to talking actual basketball, Chris. You, can, you and I can spend the time on the podcast talking to friends like Jamie and Travis and others, getting people in here to talk hoops. We can, we can talk about the highlights that we're going to see from Dame and Shaden and Penny and the rest of the guys still on the roster here. Maybe even some of these new dudes, see what Cam Radish brings for us. I haven't watched a whole lot of Cam's games. I'm, I'm, I, I'd be lying if I said I'm not a little excited to see what he can bring. That's why I just give it a solid C plus when you yeah. ask me to grade yeah. it. Because it did like one way or the other, it didn't go opposite of what we thought. I think the only move that we didn't see coming uh, from uh, uh, far away was GP2 uh, for the picks. Uh, but if you know some of the happenings behind closed doors in the, in the last mm. few months, then yeah, mm. that one doesn't surprise me, uh, actually. Uh, but still, like uh, other than that, Keith, it played out pretty much as yeah. we expected. The only deal that anyone was saying was guaranteed to happen at the deadline for the Blazers, happened. And that was Josh Hart, right? Yep. We all knew the Josh Hart thing would happen. The GP2 move was last minute. And I think, honestly, that's probably why a lot of fans are so freaked by it and Sky is falling about it is because it happened last second. We paid Peyton. It, he didn't perform as well for us this season. Also, like you're hinting at, there have been some behind-the-scenes happenings that maybe this just wasn't going to be 
a long-term good fit for him. And we got a bunch of picks back. We got a lot of assets for, for Joe to use in the summer. I'm, I'm not that upset. And you know, Chris, you, you gave us the C plus grade. Since you were so kind to give us that C plus grade and, and give us your prediction in a sense of how this is looking and how it'll shape out, I can't not give mine as well. I'm obviously a little more of the uh, optimistic, hopium-filled fan role here, so I'm going to say B minus, just to just to kind of uh, take the over on your C plus there a little bit. <laughs> you would B minus in the sense that if this is Cronin's plan and if this is what Schmitz, the draft expert, has been advising as well, we are loaded up on assets between the second rounders, some low cost players, people that can essentially vacate the space if we if if we need to and if we still manage to make the playoffs here as we should with a healthy dame that is going to open the floodgates on the rest of our picks so there's a lot of moves that can still happen in the summer thankfully like i said it is all over for now as is this podcast so in closing your honorable listeners that's it that's our post deadline show Thank you, Chris Burkhardt, as always. Listeners, if you haven't heard enough of Chris, go and check out Rip City Radio. Go and check out Courtside Mondays. He's got his weekly own show, as well as being on there with Chad and Game Day uh, for the rest of the week. Thank you, Oadar, as well, for these fat beasts. And thank you, all of you listeners, for a great listening, especially all of you on Discord who make it so much fun. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcast with, with lots of basketball talk and a lot less trade talk. I'm excited for that. Ha, ha, ha.